0: And it's it's good just to be at church this morning. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's good to be at church. How many of you uh, woke up with excitement to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Come on. Yeah. (laughs) Amen. Okay, we're talking about, if you're new or uh, you've been in and out, we're talking about being kingdom pioneers, and there's a whole bunch of backstory to that. You can go back and listen at your own leisure if you feel led. Uh, but we are talking about being Kingdom Pioneers and today I want to talk about being led by love not fear. Okay? Today we're going to talk about being led by love not by fear. You're a Kingdom Pioneer. You've been commissioned by Jesus to build His Kingdom on the earth. Wherever you go it's your mission field. Every day when you wake up you have a mission field. It's wherever God leads you on a day to day basis. You are called to build the kingdom in those places. In order to do that, you must be led by love, not by fear. Okay? Really important that you understand this today because until you learn to be led by love, you will always be stuck by what you're afraid of. Okay? So go to Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 19. And you should have read this if you're doing the Life Journal uh, with the church. Uh, You've probably read this already. And that's a good thing. Revelation 1, Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 19. That's what we're reading from. I, John, am your brother and your partner in the suffering in God's kingdom and in his patient endurance through which Jesus calls us. I was exiled to the island of Patmos for my preaching the word of God and for my testimony about Jesus. Verse 10. I actually started in verse 9. I'm sorry. It was the Lord's day, and I was worshiping in the Spirit. Suddenly, I heard behind me a loud voice like that of a trumpet blast. Verse 11. It said, write in a book everything you see and send it to the seven churches in the cities of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Verse 12, When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands, and standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. Verse 15, his feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth. His face was like the sun in all of its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead, but he laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever and I hold the keys of death and the grave. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Jesus, for the written scripture, the Holy Spirit-inspired living word of God. We thank you, Jesus. Father, we ask that you would fasten it to our hearts this morning. God, that you would refine us, that you would grow us, that you would transform us through your living word. Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus that my mouth would only speak your truth and that our hearts would receive it and birth in us something that only you could birth. Amen. Okay, how many of you have ever read the book of Revelation and just been totally intimidated? Uh, Don't even raise your hand. It's all of us. Don't lie to me. (laughs) Come on. Every time you read the book of of Revelation, you're like, oh, no, this, you know, like the the locust with the people faces and, uh, you know, all the the terrors. What are we going to do? It's kind of an intimidating book to read, isn't it? It is. It really is. It's a book where you read it, you could easily slip into fear. You could easily slip into a place of just wanting to check out and resign. It's not like light reading before bedtime. <laughs> it's not. How many of you know that when God revealed this to John, he knew that? He did. He knew that. He knew that people were going like to misread and, and misinterpret the book of Revelation for 2,000 years. He knew that. He knew that people were going to try to predict the day the Lord was going to come or try to use the book of Revelation and compare it to the, the news and all the different things going on. He knew that that was going to happen. And there's this great image here in the scripture where John is about to receive this prophetic revelation and he is gripped with fear, just like you and I get gripped with fear sometimes when we read about all this crazy stuff. And it says he's so afraid he falls to the ground like He's dead. He gets stuck where he is, doesn't he? In his fear. See, God has something he wants to show him that's going to move him into what God's doing, but he gets stuck in his fear. And then it says that Jesus reveals himself, puts his right hand on his shoulder, and says what? Do not be afraid. So simple, but it's so profound. See we can't walk into what God wants to do in our lives unless we learn to overcome the fear that's trying to keep us stuck where we are. See, it's okay to be afraid that God is almighty and that we're just alrighty. It's okay. It's okay to not really understand it all, to be confused, to just like, man, he can do whatever he wants at all time and there's so many chaotic things going on around us. Where's God? It's okay to be intimidated. But at the same time, we have to submit that fear to the testimony of who Jesus is, and that's the picture we see here. There's this amazing revelation that's going to redefine humanity. That's about to be released through John. He becomes terrified, but Jesus says, no, "No, no, focus on me." It's a great way to read the Book of Revelation: is just focus on Jesus. That's it. Isn't that the truth? Focus on Jesus. So. We have to learn to submit our fear to the sovereignty of who Jesus is. I want to tell you something. Every person in here deals with fear at some level. Everybody. You might be better at faking it than the person next to you, but every person in here deals with human sexuality in a broken way. Every person in here deals with fear in a broken way. Every person in here deals with their humanity. Okay? The point is not that you deal with it, the point is that you submit it to Jesus and that you refocus yourself on who he is. It's true. See, the world would like you to be gripped and to respond based on what you're afraid of. And that's a very human reaction. But you weren't made for humanity, you were made for divinity. So you have to learn to take that fear, that very real emotion that's inside of you, and submit it to the glory of who he is in your life the point is not to isn't trying to not be afraid that's not courage courage is taking the fear that you're dealing with and submitting it to something that's much greater Okay, so the beginning of overcoming fear is dealing with the fact that yeah there are things to be afraid of there are things in your life that you can't control there are things that are overwhelming there are things that don't make sense and that's very real but they have to be submitted into who into the the reality that Jesus is much greater than that which you're afraid of amen amen okay so we have to make this practice in our lives When we feel afraid when we feel fear we take that fear and we gaze upon the beauty of who who God is you'll always be stuck by what you see when you're led by fear okay You can't pioneer the kingdom if you only respond to what you see. That's a fear-based way of living. It's a fear-based way of living. Being led by love means you, you can see what God is doing despite what's happening around you. You want to know a secret? There's nothing that's ever happened in human history that God has not been able to use for his glory. Okay, he doesn't send plagues, he doesn't uh, kill people with lightning bolts, he doesn't uh, vaporize folks who don't, don't listen, but when bad things happen, he's not caught off guard. He's not sitting up there with the Holy Spirit and Jesus like, guys, how did we miss that? Coronavirus, how did we not see that coming? That's not who God is, he sees it, he's aware of it, but he uses it to reveal his glory for those who are willing to leave fear and be led by love. See, in order to pioneer the kingdom, you have to be willing to look for what God is doing inside of situations you don't understand. Amen? (laughs) Good. Amen. Fear is the enemy's megaphone. It brings attention to things that we're not supposed to be dealing with. You want to know something? You're not made to care for yourself. You're meant to be cared for by a loving father. Fear actually pulls you away from that relationship where you allow yourself to be submitted to God's care and commands you to care for yourself. Self-preservation is a result of not understanding, of being afraid, of not trusting that there's something bigger to take care of you. Amen? Amen. In order for you to go where God has planned for you to go, you have to learn to be led by love. The strategy of the enemy is is for people to be stuck being led by fear. Fear is not just the state of being afraid. It's also the state of unbelief. Fear is a, a direct result of not believing who God says he is in your life. Every sin that you're trapped in is a result of you looking at something other than God for sustenance. Are you trapped in a sin that you can't get over? Just look at Jesus. He's much more worthy. He's much more valuable. His worth will wash out of you the things that you can't control. Walking in fear always leads to walking in rebellion, to worship the God of self. Fear causes us to move from looking at God to looking at self. Again, you're not made to care for yourself. You're made to be cared for by a loving father. You're not, your body, your being, who you are, was not made to carry fear. You want, you want to know that? It's the truth. It's scientifically proven that fear has a negative effect on your life. Like, not just the things that, like, the scary stuff at night, but the fear of being abandoned the fear of not being liked by other people, the fear of not fitting in, the fear of not getting what you think you need. All of that stuff actually has a negative effect on your life. It's scientifically proven that fear can weaken your immune system. Hmm. Walking in prolonged seasons of fear can actually weaken your immune system. That's remarkable, right? I think so. It can damage your cardiovascular system it can cause gastrointestinal problems. It can cause damage to your memory. PTSD victims. That's, that's fear unmanaged. Does it make anybody... I'm not like, if you deal with that, I'm not saying you're less than. I'm saying fear can, be, can cause these results. Fear can impair the formation of long-term memories and cause damage to certain parts of the brain. This can make it difficult... To regulate fear and leave a person anxious most of the time. It's true. To someone in in chronic fear, the world looks scary and their memories confirm the fear that they can't control. Fear can, can mess with your brain processing and the reactivity of your brain. Fear can interrupt the processes in our brain that allow us to regulate our emotions. So if you have a problem managing your emotions, it could be tied to something that you can't control, a fear. It can mess with their mental health. Other consequences of long-tier fear include fatigue, clinical depression, and PTSD. Fear is literally a thief in your life. It is, it is. There's nothing about how you're made that was designed to carry fear. You understand that? It's it's like more than just understanding it the culture is trying to confine us in boxes based on fear. Do you get that? Do you get that? You can't love people until you understand that every fear you have in your life is insignificant compared to the glory of who Jesus is. This is it. You can get as loud and charismatic and and do whatever you want, but until you confront the fact that your fear is insignificant in comparison to the glory of Jesus, you will always be trapped. You will always be stuck in your fear. There's only one way out of it. There's only one way out of fear. You can't will your way out of fear. You can't fake courage. Go to first the first book of John chapter 4. Verse 16. Verse 16, God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect, so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear, because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each we love each other because he loved us first. Incredible. It's a little manual on deliverance from fear there. Okay. Who's God? Love. Love. It says it right there, right? God is love. Love is not God. So love doesn't define who God is, his character, his being. God defines love. But the essence of God is love. Right? But he is a man. So just please don't confuse this because I don't want you to leave here thinking love is love and like you can define it however you want. God is a man. His name is Jesus. He defines what love is. You can't decide what love is based on what you feel. It's on what he says. Right? That's really important that you understand that. But to encounter God is to encounter love. Until you encounter God, you don't actually know how to love. But once you encounter him, you gain access to everything you need to live a life led by love, not by fear. Are you dealing with fear in your life? Encounter God. His perfect love expels or casts out all fear. It's that simple. So if I'm dealing with a situation that I don't understand or that I don't like or I don't really want to deal with, but I have no choice because it's forced into my life I have two choices I can try to wrestle with it on my own I can try to force myself to get through it or I can cast my vision onto him whose eyes burn like fire whose face shines like a, a sun and be filled with love see you don't have to respond the way the world responds you don't have to look like the world you can be led by a greater force it's called love and it comes from being intimate with Jesus. It's true. That's it right there. That's going to solve your problems. That's going to make right the things that are wrong. That's going to reorganize the things that are in, ca- in 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 chaos. It's not you reading more Bible studies or doing things that that look good on the outside. It's by going away to the secret place and having intimate communion with the one who is called love. Who loves you? This is it. This is what the world needs. It's very easy to find communities of people who are confined by fear. It's very rare to find people who just don't care because they're so in love. (laughs) How many of you remember falling in love for the first time? Do you remember all the stupid you did? (laughs) Did you know God designed you like that? To not care how far you have to travel, to not care about the stupid things you have to say, to not care about the money you have to spend, love is intoxicating. Love is intoxicating I mean th- there's a phrase being drunk on love that 's true you were designed love is, is is designed to shoot endorphins off in your head that make you more willing to do things you wouldn't do before you fell in love so the answer to your problem is not finding your way around and navigating in in Christianese to get out of your problem is to fall in love again. That's it. That's it. Just fall back in love. Whatever caused you to go cold, repent. It's no big deal. Get over it because Jesus already has. Quit taking the things to him that he's already forgiven you for. Go back to him. Man, you are the lover of my soul. You are glorious. You are beautiful. Your face does shine like a thousand suns. And let yourself fall in love again. See, pioneers for the kingdom are led by love. So we're delivered from fear by falling in love. When we fall in love with Jesus and we begin to be consumed by him, we forget what's holding us back. Falling in love turns every disaster into an opportunity. That's a bold statement, but it's true. When you're in love, you're not looking for results. You're just concerned with being obedient to the one who you love. Being in love causes sacrifice to flow naturally from your life. Does. Being concerned is important. It really is. It's it's good to like think rationally and be wise, because again, God gave us that 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 ability. But the first thing is to be concerned with the one who you love. You were made to walk in love. There's been studies done on uh, married couples who have long-lasting loving relationships, right? And they've done studies on this, and they've found that people, particularly those that are in long-committed relationships, have better health outcomes, right? So if you're not in a long-term loving relationship, you're more likely to die a couple years quicker. That's probably, you probably want that if marriage is that bad. Just get me out of here, Lord. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) We'll have marriage counseling right after this. But love, particularly love that develops in a committed relationship can have a positive impact on your overall health. A few of these benefits include the decreased risk of heart disease, lower blood pressure, a better immune system, faster recovery from illnesses. That's crazy. A longer lifespan, so you live longer because you have something to live for. There are a lot of studies that prove that love has long-term health benefits on your life. But did you know that love actually can cause pain relief to happen naturally in your body? Man, I think about Jesus for a second. Think about what he went through. I mean, just just for a moment, just imagine putting a crown of thorns on top of your head. Who's ever seen a black locust tree with those thorns are like blackish, red, purplish, and they're like this long and they, you could nail a house together with those things. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? They're bad. I remember cutting them down on a farm once and I was real young and I actually cut it the wrong way It fell on my boss. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> he was a good guy. He kept me on the job, but like he taught me how to cut trees after that. <laughs> it was a bad, bad situation. Anyhow, think about that. That's what they put on Jesus' head and they beat it into his skull. Think about just the physical pain. Now that you heard that, think about how he endured that. It wasn't by gritting his teeth and going, it's only for a day, it's only for a day. No, he looked at you and said, man, I love them so much, they're worth dying for. You know, when they nailed his body to the cross, they they put physical nails through his hands And he just didn't like grab on the nails and think, oh, I can't wait till this is over. He looked at you. He saw who you were and said, this is so worth doing this for. See, the pain became less because the love grew stronger the same in your life. You've got things that you're called to. There's things that you're made for. There's a divine purpose for your life to build the kingdom in a unique way that only God could ordain in your life. But you're never going to get there by just gritting your teeth and moving forward. You need to be baptized again in the love of who God is and the glory of Jesus. This is your life. This is what you were made for. This is what all eternity will look like. You better get used to it now because if you're uncomfortable with falling in love with Jesus here, you're going to have a hard time up there. And he's not looking down at you like, boy, I wish you'd get together. He's saying, son, daughter, I love you. I am radically in love with you. So let me ask you a question. Today, honestly, just you don't have to answer this right now, but are you being led by fear or are you being led by love? Like look deep down inside yourself. Are you being led by fear or are you being led by love? How do you respond to things that you don't understand, that look scary, that don't make sense? Do you gaze upon the one who loves you? or do you look inward to try to find a response that'll get you out of the sticky situation you don't have to go to Daniel 6 but how many of you remember Daniel 6 the story of Daniel and the lion's den it's a good good story classic bible story you should read your kids the story tonight it's good so Daniel a uh, little Hebrew guy gets promoted in Babylon where his nation is exiled to one of the highest uh, Officials in all of the the land and it makes all the corrupt uh, Godless other officials jealous So they're like man. We can't have this so they begin to, to look for ways to To get him taken out of his position and what do you know? They can't find any because Daniel really is just a righteous guy and when you live in righteousness you live in favor you want to get promoted you don't have to look good in front of your boss you have to look good in front of the father he'll take care of it. It's true. So uh, Daniel he, he takes care of himself he he loves God he, he devotes himself to God he gets promoted way quicker than anybody else because God has made him a light in dark places and it makes them jealous so they start looking they can't find anything wrong with him and they decide the only way we're going to get this feller out is if we persecute him for what he believes. So they begin to persecute him right and they they come up with a plan they they go to King Darius and say hey King Darius man you're just so great did you know that you're really how how many of you know when you're when flattery is coming towards you there's always something attached. They get the king to write a law that says nobody should be able to worship any God other than you for the next 30 days and King Darius is like, oh gee, you really think so? Okay, let's write that law. Puts the law into motion and then the next thing that the, the bad guys do is they follow Daniel home to watch him pray to his God three times a day. And they go back to the king and they're like, hey king, I know you really like this guy Daniel, but you're gonna hate this. He prays to somebody else other than you. And the king's like, oh gee, maybe we can make an exception and they go, well, that would be fine other than you're the king and you made an official decree we can't go back on this or you're not going to look like a king anymore. So the king goes, ah, okay, fine, we'll throw him into a den of lions because that seems reasonable. So they take him to a den of lions, they throw him in there, and they cover it up with a stone, it says, right? Remember, the picture here is, is Jesus, right? Jesus was unfairly thrown into a land of, uh, uh, the, the devourer's den because of who he was. So the king goes to bed that night because he's so upset he can't do his normal routine of drunkenness and concubines and he's consumed with the idea that he just threw away his best official because he worshiped somebody else other than him. So the next morning he goes out there and this is what he says. This is in Daniel 6. Verse 19, very early the next morning the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there he called out in anguish Daniel servant of the living God was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions verse 21 Daniel answered long live the king my God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me for I have been found innocent in his sight and I have not wronged you your majesty Okay. so he throws him in there he goes and he checks on him and he says hey is your God who you say he is? And Daniel responds, oh yeah, totally. Amen. It's a good thing. But then he says this, for I have been found innocent in your sight and I have not wronged you, Your imagination, innocent in his sight, in God's sight, not the king's sight. So what is Daniel saying? I was never really worried about what you thought anyways. The only thing I cared about was that I was pure before the one I loved. This is it right here. Daniel gets thrown in the den, undeserved. He probably could have went on Facebook and post about it and found a link to be like, ten reasons why King Darius is evil. (laughs) Click here, and then you can hate him too. Or he could have got like a, a petition or a bunch of people to like gather up and formed a new party called the Daniel Party, and they would have, you know, done some really great work. I'm sure. He gets thrown into a a lion's den and his priority is to make sure that he's righteous before the one he loves. Okay, it gets better. After that, he takes Daniel out of the lion's den, King Darius, and he throws the evil guys into the lion's den, which is kind of cool because it says the lions rip them apart before they even touch the ground. (laughs) I don't even, like, how does that work? (laughs) Physics. (laughs) They jumped up and... ah. Then, King, Verse 25, then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race, nation, and language throughout the world, peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves people. He performs miracles, signs, and wonders. In the heavens and earth, he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. What happened? Because one man loved God more than the fear that was around him. A godless pagan king brought revival to a lost nation. See, people who are led by love change nations. People who are consumed by the one who gave them life bring revival. You want us to bring revival to the places you have been called? Shut up and just love God. Seriously. Quit telling me about how evil everybody else is. I know. I can see it. I have Facebook. I get on the news. Just love God. Go be secret with him in love and allow that to manifest through you. Man, you can st- I need to backtrack. Standing up for righteousness is good. But if you standing up for righteousness causes you to fall out of love and be consumed by fear, you're not standing up for righteousness. You're being a megaphone for fear. Do you understand that? So Daniel has one priority. Man, they're going to throw me to lions. All I did was do my job. It's not fair. It doesn't matter. But I only know one thing that makes any sense, and that's to fall in love with Jesus. See I don't know what you're going through today, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're concerned a little bit with all the reports on the news, all the things happening this way and that way, but all of those things have to become secondary to the thing that you were made for, which is being led by love, being consumed by the one whose eyes are like fire. That's it. That's your, that's your mission. That's your goal. That's the heaven moving through, That's heaven moving through your life to build the kingdom of God. Let's stand and pray. Lord, I thank you that you deliver us from fear with encounters of your love. So, Lord, I ask now that as we stand here, God, that any place of fear that has been established by the enemy, Lord, that you would see that place, that you would put your finger on it, and that you would bring love to saturate us. In the name of Jesus, we cast all fear out of this place. Right now, in the name of Jesus. Father, and we lock eyes with you today. We won't look to the left, we won't look to the right. We lock eyes with you and say, Lord, you are more beautiful and you are more worthy than every fear we've gave harbor to in our life. We break that agreement right now with fear in the name of Jesus and we shake it from ourselves. And Father, we lock eyes with you. So today, if you're here and you're dealing with fear that you just don't understand. I want you to just place your eyes on him. I want you to see him. This is where you begin being effective for the kingdom of God is falling in love with him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you that you create us to walk in love, to be led by love. And we pray all these things in your mighty name. The altar is open. If you need prayer for anything, please come up. We're just going to worship the Lord for a bit. And if you've got to go, that's fine too. God bless you.